we're actually in a very uh, interesting position today. We are sitting here in our Eric's headquarters, and we have actually Mr. Bob Clauser himself online here on a Zoom connection. We found, yeah. and it works out quite nice actually. So uh, Bob is sitting his, in his home in, in uh, Florida, and we're sitting here in Denmark, and we're having this uh, conversation. And with me here is Lars, who writes all our blogs. Hello. And we have prepared a few questions uh, for Bob. And the reason why we're sitting like this is that we just recently have released uh, with Bob and, and all his long knowledge, the, the new Eric's Bob Claus signature hook. So it's, uh, which is a really big honor for us to do. We're just a small young company here from Denmark. So working with a, uh, working with a very experienced saltwater angler from the US is a big thing for us. So we are very proud of that. And we're so happy that you wanted to work with us in this project. Hey, it's uh, if, if you would, like I did when them hooks came in here and I opened that box, and I looked at them hooks, and then I got a pack of the 3366 bronze hooks out. Yeah. I'm going, oh, my gosh, what a change. Ah. You guys did an incredible job on that style of hook. I, and I'm serious about that. We, uh, Jackie got so damn excited, she grabbed one and put it in a hook. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're in her, in her vice and tied a fly, a first fly on them hooks. Uh, instantly, and she says, I want some more of them. <laughs> oh, we got a few more, yeah. <laughs> and and let me tell you something before we get too far involved here with them hooks. Uh, I have already given away half of the fours, half of the twos, and half yeah. of the ones, and just a few big ones. So... <laughs> I'm going to assume I have empty, two empty bags here of fours and twos real quick. I'll tell you that right now. Because the people, the people love this hook. Okay. And, and I and I can almost see, not because my name's on it, I'm uh you know, I, I'm kind of critical on that part, but because of the manufacturing process of this hook. Hmm. Uh, this hook can be used for just about any species that eats streamer flies. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what else can I say? <laughs> exactly. Period. Actually, yeah. It's sharp. Yeah. I I uh, I had a fair, the, and this was just this only happens once in a lifetime. But then maybe maybe if I go out tomorrow, I'll catch another one on the first cast. But <laughs> we went yesterday, and I think I sent you the picture of this fish. Yes, you did. We went with an anticipation of wanting to catch and or actually land, not catch it, but land it. Mm. Tarpon yeah. on a Bowser signature hook. And we got out in the jungle and we seen about, I think there was a good 30 to 40 tarpon in this canal rolling <laughs> and flashing and just just like Jackie looked at me and she says, don't hurry. You're going to make a mistake if you're hurry. I was yeah. rushing over the place. But I threw that streamer fly on the first cast. Yeah. I seen the flash and I felt that weight of that. Mm. Fish. And Jackie got pictures of it in the air. Fantastic. 
Jackie was the camera lady that yeah, yeah. day in. And uh and I and I could feel that pull and I could feel the control I had of the fish. And I'm going like, you know what? I'm going to land this fish. I can't believe it. Hmm. Uh, I had to pull him through. He jumped up in a mangrove tree too. <laughs> and my line's in, in the top of the mangrove tree and the fish is out in the water and he, he pulls it loose. Uh, and uh, I drag him up on the bank and we took a picture of him. So that that is a once in a lifetime event happening. And I'm glad it happened with your new hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's almost too good to be true, but you have a photo. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, if, if it wasn't for the photo, every, everybody would think that it's something we made up. But this is actually the truth. And you send me the No, this, this is me. real. This is, yeah. not, this is not any publicity nope. stunt. No. Nope. Anything like that. This is how my whole life's been. Yeah. Uh, I've been with a lot of rod companies. I've been with, uh, you know, line companies. And, and actually... I'm a no one man company man. Mm. Hey, it, whatever people like, and if it works, yes, you go ahead and you buy that if you like that. Mm. Because today, even in the rod business, there's no bad rods made today. No. True. There, every every one that I've ever picked up, uh, I can make it work. So mm. uh, it's just it's just the way the the business is, and. Uh, I hope it continues to be on that side of the mm. of people's thoughts instead of uh, uh, I want the best out there. But I'll, I'll tell you what, they're all the best. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I think that and I think that's a very important thing, Bob. And we feel the same. We, we try to make the best we can. But I, I yeah. recognize there's a lot of other good hook brands out there. We are not. We just do our best, and that's all we can do. Yeah, that's the only the only thing that worries me about all these new hooks, and I know it's worth it. I mean, when I opened that bag and I felt that hook and rubbed my fingers on it and tied mm. a fly on it, and I said, this is well worth mm. the increase in the cost of the hooks versus uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. And and it's well, to me, it's well worth it. Mm. But what concerns me, and and maybe I maybe I, I have an old mind, and I have a mind that when I was a kid, I had to cut grass to buy my fishing rods and and my hooks. I had to go around to the neighbors and cut yards. Yeah, and I had to work on a farm after school. Yeah, to to buy. I bought a boat by working extra time like that. And today, I don't see how our, our young generation can afford unless unless they make more than uh, the 50 cents an hour that I used to make. No, I, I agree. Uh, that might be a challenge for some, but I think also it's still possible to buy cheaper hooks and cheaper equipment out there. Uh, yeah. Maybe Maybe this, what we are doing is maybe for the... I wouldn't say it's for the experienced angler. I say maybe it's for for people who actually really care about it and can afford it as yeah, well. I know yeah. now it this costly. It is this series of hooks actually opened my eyes on the cost. Yeah. Uh, mm. That hook is well worth whatever yeah. your guys are charging for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's just I would pay a dollar a piece for the things if I if I could afford it. 
<laughs> you need to cut some lawns again, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I know. But any, but anyhow, I'm I'm still way back. I feel like I'm probably just turning 17, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think we have a few questions, Bob. I've been last. I think last having them over there. Over yeah, there. I've got them. And Bob, in the preamble to this, uh, you already said it. That one of the questions that you've been asked many, many times is, when did the Klaus and Minnow come about? Uh, it was it was in the 80s, ni uh, 1980 plus. Uh, I, I opened my store in uh, 1979, okay? That was the day that the uh, power plant in Middletown went haywire. Oh, really? So uh, I had to wait till 1980 to open my shop up. We already had it built. My son is a carpenter, and he built the shop on the side of my home. And where was that, Bob? Uh, we had that scare at Three Mile Island. Yeah. Uh, the nuclear power plant went haywire down there. So, But anyway, when that was all over, we opened our store in 1980. And I have already knew Lefty Cray, and Lefty uh, was one of my best friends and one of my consultants. And I and I praised everything that he done, and I wanted to be able to learn everything he does. Hmm. He was on my mentor, hmm. so we started. He came up to the shop. We started fishing on the river together. We uh, we did all kind of country jobs together, uh, places to camps and, and stuff like that. And uh, my knowledge just started growing and growing. And when your knowledge of stuff starts to grow, that increases your want to do stuff and to learn more. Yeah. And him and I sat in a boat in Middletown, Pennsylvania on the Susquehanna River one day and looked at each other. And I just, I just said, Lefty, I don't think we're going to live long enough to learn anything. No. And he thought a little bit, and he says, you know what, Bobby, you're right. He said, because we're never going to stop learning. No. He said, once you stop learning, you're done. Hmm. And I, can, I believe that today. Uh, hmm. uh, I, I still want to learn new stuff, and, I want, and this, this hook business has just got me all wound up. <laughs> It's it's an incredible process, and yeah. and by the way, uh, to not to let Steve sit down on the bar on the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> but he has an order from me of of some of your newer style different types of hooks that I also want in on the on that. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. Very good. Because uh, because we have crayfish to tie, we have swimming nymphs to tie. Hmm. Uh, we have flies that are 10 inches long to tie. Mm. I've got, I get orders for seven, six and seven aught flies. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, I guess the guys are catching some pretty good sized fish on them big flies. Yeah. Uh, here, the, the, uh, I, I've, I've caught a, a lot of snook in my life. And I, I did hear of, um, Lefty used to tell me, Bob, if you want to catch a big fish, give him some groceries. Yes. 
means give him a big fly. Yeah, yeah. And down here in Florida, the snooker like that. Mm. If you throw a three-inch fly, you're going to get the small snook. Mm. I don't mean they're small. I don't call a 20-some inch or small, but you'll get snook that size. But if you want grandpa in that or grandma in that school, mm. it's best to have a six or seven-inch fly. And you'll instantly get the bigger fish. Yeah. And that's been true every place that I've been. Uh, it's been true on musky, uh, pike. Uh, if it's if it's six inches or bigger, you're going to catch a big fish. Yeah. So these little tiny one inch long flies, uh, they interest the grown ups. The stuff is growing up, but they don't interest the grown up. <laughs> exactly. So so. What what was the what was the uh, uh, class of mate for? What's the, what was the initial species you were thinking about, or was it? Well, just let me. Uh, when when we first wrote that up in Fly Fisherman magazine, it was called a, a nothing but a jig. Okay. I'll tell you something for these people that call anything nothing but a jig. The jig is the best lure in the world. Hmm. any type of fish even the bottom feeders and all and and why because and nobody seems to understand this and the reason the clouser minnow is so important is where the weight is placed yeah how sparsely the materials are on the fly after you make a cast with that fly It'll work like no other fly if you strip it erratically quick. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you why it's so good. Because it imitates an escaping bait fish. Yeah. It does. It goes through all the life-saving earnings that this fish has in his mind to get away from not being eaten. Hmm. And I have never met a fish that I could pull that fly fast enough that he couldn't catch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. And that's how I fish these flies uh, with an erratic retrieve. Hmm. If we had a lot of time, I could tell you stories of teaching people in a boat how to catch the bass and how to strip and stuff like that. But that's the key hmm. to this fly. Hmm. He is the weighted eyes that are on the fly. Uh, we tried to throw uh, jigs, but we couldn't get them light enough uh, to be cast on a fly rod. They were always like one sixteenth uh, quarter heavy, hmm. and they were made for spinning rods. Hmm. And, and the weight was there to pull the line off the reel. We had nothing. We use a fly line as a weight to pull the fly through the air. Yeah. Yep. And when that when uh, uh, when that happens and it's overweighted, you can't make it anything comfortable with your fly rod. Hmm. But they have so many weighted differences of eyes now. You can fish a my golly on four weight fly rods, hmm. the eye weight, and you can and with your retrieve and the action that you use to fish your flies with. You can catch about any species you want on that type of fly when it's got a front end weight. 
Yeah, I agree, Bob. And I think I'm, I'm see, I know they use them for sea round browns over here. We use them for pike, perch, and a lot of other species. And that's just, you know, Scandinavia. I could imagine that all over the world, it, it must have ca- caught a, many, many, many species because it's so universal. Yeah. Uh, I I happened to be with Lefty when he 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 caught he was he was the species number keeper. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I had him on the Susquehanna River, I tried to get catch him a carp one day. He had eighty four species to his list. Hmm. We didn't do so good with the carp that day. I think there was some kind of wind conditions or something like that. They wouldn't feed. But anyhow, uh, he come up a week after that, and my son took him out. Hmm. And he caught and landed his 85th species. Yeah. Clouser minnow. Yeah, that's awesome. Good boy. Yeah. Do you have a count for yourself? How many species have you landed on it? Hey, I I never counted, but I know I'm over sixty. <laughs> Amazing, and my age too. <laughs> but I've been I've been in a lot of places, and when I get on the boat, uh, you'd be surprised at this uh, answer I'm going to give you. The guys are going, uh, Bob. I see your rod. Where's your Where's your tool? Your box? I said in my pocket. Hmm. <laughs> bag there's seven flies in there and that's all i'm going to need yeah so <laughs> thinking of then your 60 plus species and and lefty cray on 85 species yeah uh, lefty, it's, lefty it's, went over 100 species uh wow. after that he, he he got over 100 there was a fellow in i think washington state that owned some uh he did some outdoor sports shows pretty much his whole life he he had 122 species on the clouser minnow he got more places than where lefty did oh really that's but impressive he was a top the top dog on, on species on that flock around 120 127 <laughs> i, I thought that was pretty darn good uh but it, it makes me want to ask then, um, although it's, I think it's primarily known today as a saltwater fly, uh, was it intended as a saltwater fly from the begin- no, beginning? No. You're going to laugh at this one. Uh, I live, I, I, when I was in Pennsylvania, I lived within one mile of the Susquehanna River. Uh, I guess you, you can call it the low central section of the river. And it it was the primest smallmouth river in the world at that time. Hmm. Uh, if I went out there and had clients when I was guiding with spinning rods, they were out catching my fly rod clients, hmm. and I'm I'm and I'm watching everything that goes on with the spinning rods and how they're working, how they're jerking these these lures back and how they're how they're moving the rod tips when they're reeling them and how they're shaking them and they're imitating escaping bait fish hmm. catching bass a good friend of mine and a good buddy that uh, grew up with me and he's he has since passed away uh, his name was john lowell 
John come into my shop and he's, he's a diehard fly rod man. And we were working on flies for the Susquehanna river together, him and I both. Hmm. We had, we had the crayfish imitation, which, which was the most deadliest fly I've ever used. This was before the Clouser minnow came into effect. <laughs> and I'm looking at, looking at some beat up jigs that were in a box and, and some of the beat up ones hardly had any hair on them. Hmm. Real sparse. I went uh, with uh, lefty's mentor was Joe Brooks at the time. And Joe, Joe Brooks had some deadly flies. I mean, deadly flies. Hmm. We've caught some bass on them on the river, but they were they were all unweighted. Hmm. And I was looking at his design, the way he was tying bucktail hair, like a like a, a a high tie thing where you tie one clump in front of the other. Mm -hmm. mm. So I'm sitting at my desk one day, and I get some. Uh, we had no heavy eyes at that time. We had we had to wrap lid on a hook. That was terrible. We had to pinch split shot on the hook, and I've done that a number of times. Mm. And I tied little bucktail streamers on those things mm. and we started to really catch bass. Mm. Lefty uh, said, we can't sell them, Bobby. I said, I know they're, they just look terrible. They, they are horrible-looking flies. So he got he got with Tom Schmucker from Wapsie Fly Company, and Tom took the bead chain eyes and made molds out of them that he could pour lead in. Oh, wow. so that's how the Clouser eye came on a, in effect. And he had all sizes of bead chains, so now we have all sizes of lead eyes that can be cast on a fly. So you can actually say, Bob, that that your fly, the whole idea with your fly, also created the the dumbbell eyes more or less because yes. that became yes. so important. And and uh, and uh, and it said it was Tom Smucker from from Wapsie who Wapsie, yes, yeah, 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 who made them. Yeah, the, That's uh, quite the interesting. Old, the, back then we knew the old guys. Now we know all the young guys. Yeah. But but. Uh, yeah, he's the guy that, that came up with the lead eyes because okay. he used bead chain to make the molds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead in them. That's really interesting stories because even though we've been around, I didn't know that. I don't maybe no, I, no. I didn't know that either. Oh people, my gosh. You see, too, we're too young for that, Bob. And you, <laughs> this is you know, this is really important, important stuff because we <laughs> both very interested in, in this story. Okay, but any <laughs> but anyway. He he sent me and Lefty a pack of these eyes. Yeah. And as soon as they come in the store and I opened up the box, I went, oh, my God. Yeah. Know what I'm going to do with these. Yeah. I tied them on a hook. Yeah. Put the bucktail on, just like I did with my other lead wires and stuff. I give, I called John Lowell. I said, John, I think we have our answer here to yeah. catching these bass on the Susquehanna yeah. coming yeah. up. He come up, and it was getting close to fall, and they, they, they feed good close to fall, mm -hmm. but not as many as we caught. <laughs> oh, really? 
We went over on the Susquehanna and I anchored the boat in a nice big hole where they start the winter at. Hmm. And I'm fishing an all white bucktail one with some flash in the middle. And he's got one that looks like a smallmouth bass that I put together with a white belly, hmm. a green middle, and a brown top with dark flash in. Hmm. It didn't matter which one we had. We were casting these flies and we had the 150th eye on them. Yeah. I now, I now, I now have an eight weight rod and eight and nine, and I use the 130 eye because hmm. I can make that thing dart quicker with the way I strip them. Hmm. And and I use an eight or a nine weight rod pretty much all the time. It's my favorite uh, fishing uh, machine. Hmm. Anyhow. We get over there and the water's fairly clear. And John says, look at this. Here it comes right to the boat and eats it before we take it out of the water. Hmm. And why I'm going, why is he eating it? John's wiggling the rod tip hmm. as he's stripping. Hmm. That fly, it looks like it, it's been hurt or ran over by a pickup truck or something. <laughs> everywhere just jumping and carrying and the bass are eating these things hmm. the faster we tried to take that fly away from them the more fish we caught hmm. so I the learned, more aggressive they got yeah learn something right there hey we have a fly now that looks and acts like and you can make it like that if you know how to fish it looks like an escaping bait fish Hmm. They want that thing. They they they're going to try to get it whichever way they can because hmm. that's why they how they grew up on. I, hmm. I've never seen any minnow in a school stop and say, "Go ahead and eat me." Hmm. No, <laughs> no, it's true. They it's are flying in every direction possible to get away from that predator, and that's the trait of this fly and that little bit of weight in that front end. Just because I have eyes painted on them doesn't say the fish see that. No, no. It's the action and the movement that you're creating with that mm. fly. That's what that fly gives you. Mm. That's been so misunderstood in fly tying for generations. Mm. When you tie a fly on your vice and you look at that and say, man, that looks good. Mm. The first words out of lefty's mouth is, well, does it fish good? How does it cast? Yeah. How does it fish? Yeah. 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 And I think they're really important questions to ask yourself. And I, I being being on social media like everybody is today, and you see a lot of beautiful flies out there for sure. Oh. But I think a lot of these great tires are forgetting how these uh, flies will fish actually. If yeah. if you tie a fly, I want you to go out to where there's fish and I want yeah. you to Use it. Yeah. And come back and tell me what you caught on. Yeah, exactly. That's the proof. That's how, that's how Lefty and I always worked with these fly yeah. There's a, a couple of flies that's been around, I guess you want to call it forever, but uh, I think this <laughs> a real easy fly to fish surface or just a little under the surface called a red and white hackle streamer. The most simplest fly in the world with some white chicken hackles sticking out the back and some red hackle wrapped around the front. Mm. 
That fly was invented here in Florida, I think 109 years ago. It was used to catch tarpon. Yeah. Fly still catches yeah. tarpon, pike, muskie. Yeah. Uh, I've proven that. I have been up in the Michigan waters, up 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 in the in I guess it's Saskatchewan, Canada. And I've caught musky on that fly. And I try to find the longest hackle I can get. And maybe I can come up with an eight-inch fly. Hmm. I've caught musky all over the world on that red and white hackle fly. Hmm. It's an incredible fly. Don't ask me why it works. I have no idea. I don't care. (laughs) They eat it. No, and the thing is probably, Bob, that a fly like that, that doesn't look good on social media, but it does catch fish. And that's that's, uh, that's, that's the... That's another big old mistake. And I, I, I tend to, it's me and a handful of guys look at some of these patterns and just laugh it off, you know. <laughs> if it swims like a real fish and isn't hurt, they're not going to eat much of it. <laughs> but it's, it's quite interesting to, to hear you tell that it's actually originally a bass fly. Yeah. 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 And- I lived right there. Within five minutes, I could push my boat off of the dock into the river and go fish. And that's all I had was bass. Yeah. Let me tell you something else uh, about my trout fishing. I I fished all over Pennsylvania for trout and wild trout and stock trout and every, every stream in PA I was on at one time. I had an, an old fella come into my shop. And he taught me something about streamer flies and streamer fly fishing. He would he would go up on a, a we had a little creek of, above Harrisburg, PA called Clark's, a crystal clear mountain stream full of brook trout and brown trout. Hmm. When the season opened, the minnow fishermen used to go up. And and on small minnows, they could clean that brown trout population and the brook trout out. Mm. But he he watched them guys how they were fishing minnows one day, <clears throat> where they would throw them upstream and reel them down just a little ahead of the speed of the current. He had two mallard duck feathers the drake mallard duck feathers which are are kind of light gray with black streaks in them Mm -hmm. he had two of them tied on a hook that was this fly was probably an inch and a half long he had regular kite string i think tied at this (laughs) he brought this in and showed me and he had white paint over the thread to keep it together he had no He said, Bobby, I want you to try this when you go up to Clarkson next time. And I did. He gave me two of them. And I was I listened to him how he was fishing them and how he was manipulating them. I could outcatch the bait fisherman with that fly. <laughs> and I came back and called him and I said, Why is this fly so good? Hmm. He had an answer for it. He said, you guys put too much stuff on a streamer fly hook, and it looks bland in the water. Hmm. Light goes through it, no movements in it. Hmm. 
And he said, yes, you know why I picked this feather? He said, because of them little black bars over that light color. Hmm. He said, when the sun is out, and even when the sun ain't out, and that fly is moving in the water, them black marks will disappear and appear hmm. as the feather moves. And he said, that just creates life. Hmm. Yep. And he said, if you fish that the way a hurt minnow is bouncing down the current, he said, it'll look like one. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know? Yeah. yeah. So I went up and I and I I tried that fly and I listened to how he fished it and I caught one brown trout after the other hmm. out of a restocked pool. Hmm. Went back up there a couple months later and just started walking around looking for trout. And I seen like five trout and I caught all five of those on that same fly that I wouldn't chew anybody. <laughs> Yeah. And again, it's all in the manipulation and the biggest word in the whole industry of fly fishing is pre called presentation. Mm. Now, there is no definition in fishing of presentation. No. You're trying to match everything that goes on. That's the whole presentation idea. Mm. Yeah. And when you find the right retrieve and find and find something that that you can make work, that's your presentation. Mm -hmm. That's why it works. Mm. That's interesting, true. Yeah. Bob, you've uh, several times now uh, in our little interview, you've uh, mentioned Lefty Cray. Uh, yes. And I think it's uh, for everyone who knows uh, you and Lefty, uh, your names are intertwined. Um, and I think it was Lefty who coined the phrase, uh, if it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. Yeah. yeah. That, oh, yeah. That, hey. that obviously gives away his favorite color combination, both for the Klaus Amino and his own electric yeah. yeah. If it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your favorite color combination as well? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a few shades. Uh, that that I I will choose depends on the way the water looks and how the sun's out and stuff like that. You just learn that over the years too. Yeah, of course. Uh, I have a chartreuse bellied flag as the green with some gold flash in the middle and a yellow back. Mm. It's called chartreuse and yellow. That's my favorite color for just about any species I fish for. Hmm. Uh, you don't have to believe that. Uh, <laughs> but if you look in my shirt pocket, sometime you're going to find some. <laughs> but but that's, that's my favorite color. And then I have another one that usually turned the bass on as the summer progressed. And that's called a baby smallmouth. Now, this one has a white belly and a green middle, a grass green middle, and a, and a dark brown back. And it has different flash colors in it compared to the brighter flies. It has that bronze colored flash, a dark flash, mixed with some gold. Hmm. And, I, and I can actually tell you this, and most everybody will agree with me, uh, your gold flash in most of your darker colored flies are the best flash to use. Mm. 
I've caught more fish using gold flash than I did any other flash on the market. That's really good information, Bob. I think we're we're just ears over here. It's 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 uh, it's uh, I think I think I need to tie up a few. To be honest, it's uh, hey. I want to tell you something right now. If I was in the boat with you, and I'd watch you cast that out, and you started a strip like this, yeah, slowly. You don't want to catch nothing, do you? No. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> yeah. We'll remember that when we get in a boat with you sometime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. It's funny how you can get in a boat and be one guy catching all the fish and nobody catches on what he's doing. No. That's a bit like fishing with Morton. He always catches no, all the no, fish. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> not true. <laughs> but cool. I got a few, to be honest, listening to you and, and your, especially what you were telling about the bass fishing. I do yeah. a lot of perch fishing. I near I live quite oh my near. God. Yeah, I near I live quite near a lake where we have a lot of perch. And actually, I picked up a few points you had there, especially with with the retrieve. I think I, I think I fished too slow. To be honest, you it's, probably uh, do. Yeah, you got to make them things look like they're hurt. Yeah, I get it. Uh, doing so, something different than what the rest of them are doing. Exactly, I get it. I'll, hey, uh, I'll try that later this year. <laughs> I, I was thinking of something here I could tell you to make you laugh on that kind of stuff. Uh, you, this was years ago. Uh, my neighbors in town were good fly fishermen, him and his boy. And they would go to Maine every summer. So one summer I went, I took my boy and we went, we went along with them guys, followed them up in the truck. Mm. We had our own bed and stuff in the, in the back of the truck where we slept. And <clears throat> We pulled in to a boat ramp, which there was a couple of houses around there. And when we backed our boats in, a gentleman come down and he looked in the boats and he says, what are you guys up here for? He said, I never seen fishing poles look like that. <laughs> and I said, we come for the bass. He said, what? Them damn pests, he said, your best fishing here is for the perch. Oh, really? I, mm. Yeah, he said, everybody comes here for perch. And I said, they're too little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's actually the truth. I would love <laughs> that we had bass over here. but Because, because there were smallmouth in that lake 19, 20 inches long, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never, they never even realized that there was that you could fish for them bass. No. They because they perch fish all their life in there. Yeah. That's, an, that's an incredible. Yeah. It's I an agree. incredible habit to get into if you're living along something, and you don't know what the other species is in there. Oh, true like about that. <laughs> Did <laughs> you catch any bass up there then? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just needed to check if we have uh, any more. We we wrote down a few questions, but it's so interesting. We can't we kind of forget what we have on. Yeah. I, I know. I, 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 I say, last that paper again. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, Bob, I think uh, something else that speaks. Uh, you are a bit of a notability in the fly fishing uh, industry or business. Uh, I think it's fair to say, um, and that of course is obvious in many ways. 
and uh, not least in uh, having your name on a signature Renset device, uh, the Klaus device, which is obviously yeah, designed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the truth now, the absolute truth, how this happened. Andy Renzetti probably has the best vice in the world. One of, or I'm sorry, it's never the best. It's one of the best. Okay. Him and Lefty came up to my house in Pennsylvania to my fly shop. I'm sitting in my tying room, and and uh, I'm using the regal vice. I had that's all I have. I had two or three regals sitting in there. Never a Renzetti because it was too expensive. I couldn't afford them. Okay. But these the regals, the way I liked them was because I could put the hook in the vice, the hook stayed in, I could turn it upside down and work on the bottom without anything else being in my road. Andy brings his vice in and has that neck going down and the vice sticking up. And I said, and he left it there. And I'm trying it. I'm going, I can't use this vice. I call me. He said, why? I said, as soon as I turn it upside down, the back of the vice is in my route to put the other layers on the fly that I'm used to tying. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, take the hook out and turn it upside down. I said, I don't want to do that. I don't have to do that with my Regal. Why should I do that on one of your vices? So he says, well, I'm going to take care of that. <laughs> when and was this? How old is the, the Clouser City? He went home and within two weeks, I had the Clouser Minnow Arm. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> how, how old is uh, this uh, Clouser Minnow vice? When was this? 19, we had it in 1984, wrote it up in Fly Fisherman magazine in 1985. Oh, really? And, 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 and it was tested hard. Lefty tested it. I got to tell you, can I tell you another story about Lefty and testing? Please do. Please do. <laughs> he calls me and he said, Bobby, I'm, I'm coming up and I'm bringing the guy from the Maryland TU with me. And I said, good, I got a handful of flies I'm going to give you guys for that boat for your fishing trip. And if these aren't the best fly you've ever fished for bass, I'll be mistaken. <laughs> he comes in the shop, we shoot the bull a little bit. I drop one dozen flies in his hand and he looks at him and like this, he goes, are they done? <laughs> I said, yeah, what's wrong with them? Well, there's nothing on them. I said, you tell me that when you come back today. Mm. <laughs> so I and oh, and I said, hey, I can't get out of here. I said, maybe 3 30, 4 o'clock, I'll come over and you guys will be done with your drift almost ready to take your boat out anyway at that time. Because when he'd come up in the morning, he'd leave at four or five o'clock in the evening. So anyhow, I went down at 3 30 in the boat. I I I ran over along the west shore side and I seen them coming down, seen them drifting. I pulled up to their boat. Lefty has some kind of weird fly on his fly. <laughs> Probably the lefty's deceiver, right? <laughs> I well, it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Hey, that's a super fly too. Boy. It is absolutely. I use that a lot. Um, I caught more musky on that fly tune than I did on the fly. That and the red and white haggle. But anyhow, I pulled up and I'm holding on to his boat. And the fellow in the back of his boat has a smile on him. <laughs> so big. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. He said, Bob, I want to thank you. I said, what the hell did I do? He said, I just out caught Lefty Cray 10 bass to one. <laughs> he he is going through his whole tackle box. Fly changing fly pattern after I said, his was his leader real short? He said, Yeah, he had to change leaders three times. It was mm -hmm. so many different flies. <laughs> <laughs> And he, uh, Lefty looked down at me and says, Bobby, you and I got something here. I said, you take it and do with it what you want. Hmm. And I said, by the way, I have no name for that thing. Lefty says, well, it's pretty easy to figure out. He said, it looks like a minnow. Hmm. It goes deep and it was tied by Clouser. Yeah. Let's call it a Clouser. Yeah. And then after a while, he he would he called me back and he said, Bobby, you got a new name for your fly now. It's called the Clouser. <laughs> <laughs> and just the Clouser. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 So, but anyhow, that's 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 how my whole life has been. And yeah. it's and it's a pleasure that I could do something for the fishermen and have yeah. them enjoy pretty much what I did a whole life. I was just curious, what was what was the name of your shop you had? Uh, well, just Clouser's Fly Shop, that's all. Oh, okay. How yeah, long yeah. How long did you run that? Uh, till I moved down here. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. From 19, 1980, we opened the door in April. Yeah. And when was it when I came down here? Uh, April 2019. 2019, I came down here with Jack. Oh, really? Oh really? That's a long time. Yeah. So that that begs the question. I guided, I guided every day from the fourth uh, of July until it got too cold, and sometimes that would be mid October. Was that on the river close to your home yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I used to take them up on the Juniata River. I knew that pretty good. We caught a lot of bass up there. Hmm. Uh, I had clients that, that would come back, you know, and book a year ahead and says, you going to take us up on the other river the next time we come back? I said, yeah, I'll take you up there. Hmm. So, it's quite interesting for us because it seems like, from what I'm hearing over here, it seems like bass fishing on the fly is, is pretty new, but it really isn't. It seems like it's been... It's been there forever, more or less. But would you, would you have left some of the first ones to do that, or, or, or has it been around before you? Lefty, Lefty, and Joe Brooks caught smallmouth bass in Maryland before hmm. I was born. Oh, really? Uh, Lefty passed away at ninety-three. There's a 10-year difference between him and I. Yeah. So, but anyhow, uh, they they've been catching bass. 
there was uh, four guys in my hometown, a little town of Royalton there, that had fly rods, and they never fished a streamer fly ever. They used popping bugs for bass all the time. Okay, okay. And they were good. They knew what when to go, uh, when the hatches were, and stuff like that. And they caught tons of bass. And they actually, just like Lefty told me, if you can fish at surface, the predator doesn't know how big it is, hmm. can't get a good look at it, and you'll catch more fish by just making commotion instead hmm. of showing them an underwater streamer fly. And he was right on that too. Hmm. Uh, down here, uh, I, I, I use a, a surface fly a lot, and I catch a lot of tarpon on it. I catch a lot of snook on popping bugs. Hmm. I just think something making noise on the top is every bit as good as something that's hurt hmm. underneath and has hmm. to be fished the same way. Hmm. Uh, looking like it's hurt or crippled or something. That's very interesting. I I knew a few things about this before we talked, but I, I think you as I said before, it's very interesting to hear lifelong experience with, with fly. <laughs> and I think for, for the, because not many people have the opportunity to fish as much as you've done. Like you, if you're guiding oh. every day, you know, you learn a lot. I think I'm surprised my wife put up with me. I was only married to her half of them years. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, for Lars and me, maybe going out once a week, for sure we learn a few things and we can yeah. read books and all that. But, you know, an experience like the one you've had through your life, I think that's, uh, it's hard hey, to beat, I think. Yeah, there's a there's a fellow in town here, and he's one of my best friends too. His name is John Cave. Hmm. John's probably the top-notch a uh, fly casting teacher, I'd say, in the world. Oh, really? And this is his whole life, yeah. Precision fly casting. And John has been, in his younger years, in the more places than I even dreamt about mm -hmm. and has caught many of marlin, swordfish, mm -hmm. big type of fish and stuff like that. And he loves what we're doing right now is these baby tarpon in the back country. Yeah. Because his age is, I keep telling him your age is starting to show, John, just like mine. <laughs> so, John, you're going to get there one of these days. <laughs> it's interesting to hear that, uh, Bob, because I think for me, talking about fish sizes and that, I really love my perch fishing. I know they're small. And I don't, I don't get any really big ones, but I enjoy it a lot. It doesn't really matter if it's a big fish or a small fish. Hey, you're going to laugh at this story here. A, a good friend of mine, uh, he, he, he lives in Delaware now, but he was, he was in Pennsylvania, lived in there, and he had a business for years. Him and I got along really good. We went uh, one year when Lefty was writing an article on circle hooks, use of circle hooks, him and I went down. I had a group of people to go to Casablanca, Mexico with me for a week. I called the manager and I told him that. I said, look, I said, 
I want to come down a week before and fish nothing but circle hooks. I said, Lefty's doing an article. I want to get some information on these things. So I called my friend Tom Whittle, and Tom says, yeah, I'll go along with you. Hmm. So we went down to, to Casablanca, Mexico. We're there a week before our group comes in. And we told the guides what we want to do, okay? They took us into deep water, okay? Nice deep water. Hmm. We're fishing clouser minnows on circle hooks. Left these deceivers on circle hooks. Hmm. The guide is pushing us across a big flat over into a mangrove area that has deep water along the edge. And we're being pushed and pulled across that. And on the right-hand side, I seen this big fish come out of the mangroves and cross that flat. Tom's up on the front deck with these 10 weights. And Tom spotted him too. And Tom, Tom's a, a super duper 80 to 90 foot fly caster. This fish was probably 75 feet away. Hmm. <clears throat> Moving fairly quick. I said, uh, Tom, 15 or 20 feet in front of that fish, drop that fly. Hmm. Up these deceiver tied on a circle hook. When that fly hit the water, the fish was like three feet away from. Him. And he just, that fish, you could see him drop his jaw, just opened up his <laughs> swam right into that fly. He turned and jumped, and the guides hollering, sit the hook, sit. Mm. And I said, sir, he's already on the hook. These are, this is something new. Maybe you don't know about this. Mm. I said that when a fish takes the circle hook and turns, he's automatically hooked because it pulls it into the corner of their mouth. Mm. Okay. So we landed that fish. <laughs> You're going to laugh at the end of this. We, we put more, Tom and I put more tarpon in the boat in one day than they do in a whole week. Mm. <laughs> wow. Now the guide is having nightly meetings every time he brings us back. We caught snook, big bonefish, anything that you could think of on the line. And remote and without striking, without setting the hook, is just let them run off with it, they'll hook themselves. Hmm. They had a meeting the two days before I our crew came in and he said, uh, we know like circle hooks. And I'm going, why? We can't holler anymore. Set the hook. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, that's our game. He said, when they, <laughs> that's okay. we have to holler, set the hook. And he yeah, said, break and stick the hook. And I said, you know how many times that hook is stuck in that fish's mouth every time you do that? Hmm. It comes out and goes to a new place. Every time you set that hook, you move hmm. that around in that guy's mouth. Hmm. So these don't move. No. These go in and they'll hook up underneath one of them metal plates on their lip, mm. and you got your fish. But, Every, but that, how is that today, Bob? Because from a hook manufacturing standpoint, how, why didn't, because for what I'm hearing dude, over here at least, I don't, don't care. I, don't, I don't care how much I preach this. No. 
won't sell. Hmm. There is nobody except I mean, there's probably a handful of us guys that really believe in the circle hook. Hmm. Uh, they don't, some of them don't even call it fly fishing. I mean, it's, this is a terrible business to get into because you're stepping on everybody's toes. All the <laughs> yeah, 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 true. it's true. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. And if they don't like it, that means you're no good. So no people don't like you anymore, you know, right. <laughs> but, but uh, I've caught in the back country here. Uh, now I want to tell you something about tarpon hooks and John Cave taught me this. John would put a hook in his hand and he'll go like this to the point. Mm. If he can make that point sing or bend, it's not a good tarpon hook. No. These Clouser hooks, you can't do that to. That hook is solid. Mm. Okay. And that's why I wanted to try them because I'm going to give some to John. Mm. And in fact, John and I, starting tonight, have a fly fishing casting school for two and a half days. Oh, really? We start this evening. Uh, we we got a group. We we have ten people coming tonight for dinner, and and then Saturday and Sunday we'll work them for from eight o'clock till four. Oh, and uh, we want to join. <laughs> you couldn't afford it. Morton <laughs> will write it off on the company. <laughs> Need to sell some more hooks. <laughs> but but uh, Morton, I'll tell you what you would be uh, you would be impressed uh, with John Cave and his ability to set up an immense school like that. Hmm. And I'm just happy because he believes in me. You know, yeah. uh, he doesn't have too many guys that wants to help him hmm. because he's that good. Hmm. But he gives me a station. I, and at my age, I have a chair to sit down on. We put a rope on the ground for a sight thing for casting. Hmm. So I do. That's all I've done for the last 30 years. <laughs> it's not too bad. Fly casting like that. And I don't, I don't change because it works. Yeah. It absolutely works. So, uh, <laughs> so you got to stick with your guns, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's been fantastic talking to you, Bob. We probably continue. We could probably continue for hours from now on, but I oh. think <laughs> I think we need to to leave you now. Uh, I don't know. Have you any more questions, Lars? No, I think I'm I good. think you you covered it all. We don't even we don't even <laughs> we, we need the questions. Okay. It's it's been. I think it's been amazing. I just think I'll just finish off in front of the camera here, and then we can stop recording and just say goodbye. Just, hey. I'll just That's uh perfect yeah. of me. Yeah. Can I, you just I hang told out a little bit, Bob? I just want to finish it. Steve, Steve has my order. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. just hang on for a while, Bob. We'll be back. It's uh I think we should uh, just finish this off, Lars. It's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you, Bob. It's and as I said, just before we could keep on doing this for hours because you have a lifelong you know, experience and full of stories. And I think for both Lars and me, I can say, I think if we talk for both of us, that <laughs> we learned a few things today, Bob. And that's, oh my that, God. that's what it's all about. So it's been 
So that's hey, question. you just wait. You're you're not going to know everything. I no, 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 no. We'll keep on learning. I still don't. I'm still learning every day I go out. Yeah, and it's amazing, and yeah. it's a pleasure. Thank, thank you. So thank you so much, Bob. Yep. Thank, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> <laughs>